Welcome to Trinity on Tap Theology, a podcast series brought to you by Trinity College Queensland, presented by Dr. Victoria Lorimar. Episode 15, The Church, The Holy Catholic Church. So one of the first things you might be wondering about today's line of the creed is why Catholic? Perhaps you identify as Protestant, or at the very least, you're aware that this creed is read out by Christians in a whole range of different traditions and denominations. Well, it's crucial here that Catholic is not spelled with a capital C. Catholic, in this sense, just means universal. It comes from the Greek katholikos, which means concerning the whole. So when we declare our belief in the Catholic Church in the creed, we're talking about the Church in its entirety. The Nicene Creed expands on this line. It declares belief in the one, holy, Catholic and apostolic church. And we call these the marks of the church. But you might be wondering, as I do sometimes, how can we affirm these marks today, given the fractured nature of the church worldwide? The many disputes that continue over doctrine, over morality, worship style, all of these divisions... And it might seem especially odd to speak of the one true church when we look at the history of specific traditions and denominations. Let's take the Church of England, for example. Its origins were extremely political. As much about the succession of the English throne and the concentration of power in the church as it was about theology. In fact, the real theological reform didn't take place in the Anglican Church until well after its break with Rome. And even then, the state church in England radically flipped in nature over subsequent decades, based on the preference of its monarch, Catholic again under Queen Mary, back to Protestantism under Queen Elizabeth. It was even a Calvinist Presbyterian church for a short time in the 17th century, when parliaments set themselves against the leadership of Charles I. This is just one example, but the story of all traditions and denominations is grounded in a wider social and political context. Theology just isn't done in a vacuum. So how do we reckon with the contingency of history in our confession of the one holy church? To begin with, we need to admit that the universal church has often fallen short of the ideal throughout history, but also today. We should value the ecumenical movement as a step in the direction of church unity, but we should also remember that unity and uniformity are not the same thing. The church can reflect the diversity of human existence even as it makes up the one body of Christ. So how then do we understand the Catholicity of the church? It doesn't just mean universal in the sense that the church is everywhere. The gospel is universal. It's a message, an invitation that extends to all. Regardless of the stylistic and cultural differences, and even theological quibbles, the gospel is the same gospel. It's universally valid. Paul affirms this truth in his letter to the Ephesians. He exhorts them to make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. One body, one hope, one faith. One, one, one is the refrain. It's hard to miss the point. 
I talked in an earlier episode about how Christianity transforms our understanding of kinship, and this emphasis on oneness just underscores that point. In baptism, we join the church family, the people of God united. What about holy? Holy is a word that gets a bit of a bad rap when applied as an adjective to ourselves. It's more likely to be understood as holier than thou, as sanctimonious. I think Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. But really, holy means to be set apart. The church is holy because it is ordained and sustained by God, not because it's filled with people who are holy in all of their conduct. No, the church is filled with flawed, broken people just like the rest of the world. But through the grace of God, they live in hope of redemption and grow more like Christ as they witness to his life, death and resurrection. That the church is holy is more a statement about God than about us. And we can understand this, I think, if we reflect a bit on traditional church architecture, although of course the church is the people, not the building. But picture one of those famous Gothic cathedrals, Westminster Abbey, the Domo in Florence, Notre Dame in Paris. These churches often took decades to build. They used a vast quantity of expensive materials. And even though we never want to equate the church with a building, these magnificent structures testify to important truths about the church. First, the church belongs to everyone. These cathedrals were built in a time of strict class divisions and inequality. But the church belonged as much to the peasants and the serving underclasses as it did to the aristocrats and the clergy. And often it was the only large and beautiful space that was available for everyday folk. And second, there's a reason why these cathedrals are so enormous, and particularly why they are so tall. The architecture of a cathedral points skyward and seems to almost defy gravity as it extends towards the heavens. This is powerful symbolism, testifying to the eschatological nature of the church. The church isn't just defined by the present, it's a sign. It's a sign pointing toward a future hope and reality in which the kingdom of God is established in all its fullness. Remember when so much of Notre Dame Cathedral was destroyed by fire? It wasn't only Christians calling for its rebuilding. While there are a few opposed, the overwhelming sense of secular contemporary France was that this structure was a national monument. It meant something. So what does it mean for us that the church is a sign? The church is a community of people who witness to the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. In living this way, the people of God provide a foretaste of the kingdom of God, a glimpse into what life in the kingdom might be like in its fullness. And we also might think of the church's calling in relation to the mission of God. Hang on, the mission of God? Isn't mission an activity of the church, you might be thinking? For a long time, we've thought of mission this way, seeing it as an activity of the church and often equating it with the sending of missionaries to foreign mission fields. It's been treated as one activity of the church among many. But a lot of recent theological work in relation to mission and to the church is challenging this understanding, flipping it even. The church doesn't have a mission, rather the mission has a church. God is a missionary God, the sending of the Son into the world as the person Jesus Christ is a part of that. And the church is a continuation of that very mission. What does that mean for the individual believer, for you, for me? Here's Alistair's take on the church. 
I have some Christian friends who see um, the church as kind of a social event where they meet their friends and perhaps do some business. Uh, and it's kind of, if you like, a sort of get together. And I know what they mean. And maybe that's part of what the church is all about, but certainly isn't what it's really all about. I mean, for me, um, church is about gathering together as people to worship God. And in effect, as I look around my, myself in church, I'm seeing other people who are part of God's kingdom. I have to learn to value them. I don't always like them, but I have to learn to value them because they matter to God. I have to realize also these people might teach me something. That the church is, in effect, a community through which we learn and grow. And if you're on your own, a kind of lone ranger Christian, that won't happen. Because in effect, the church is there to help us grow, to encourage us, to challenge us. It's part of the way in which God enables us to become the people he wants us to be. So for me, that, that is actually quite important. Um, I do understand that some Christians have this kind of very enlightenment way of thinking, which is it's me and I just do what I want. But actually, it's by interacting with other people you grow in your faith. And if I were to um, talk about my own personal spiritual development, sometimes it's by reading books. But very often it's about conversations with people, watching people in action, in effect, hearing the sermons that are transformative. And really, for me, the church is about accountability. I'm part of something bigger. I'm accountable to that. I have a role to play. And going to church in many ways is about figuring out what your role is. What can I do as a member of the body to advance the cause of the body. We are all members of the body of Christ, but the key point is that very often we have difficulty to figure out what we are meant to be doing. And actually being a member of a church helps you figure out where you fit into things and how you can do something that makes a difference. Ben focuses more on the church as a whole and how it fits into what God is doing. To me, the church is primarily a representation of something. Not that the church is itself like the exclusive place where God is at work, but the church is the visible representation of what God is doing in the world. If you think of what it means to have a representative, that is an inclusive concept, right? The person who, who represents the local electorate is meant to include the concerns, to bring those concerns, to represent those concerns to government. The church represents visibly what God is doing in the world. What's God up to in the world? God is up to the reconciliation of all people through Christ, reconciling enemies and making them friends. We don't see that happening everywhere in the world yet. But the church is meant to be the place where we get a foretaste. We get a glimpse of that and we're able to say, aha, that's what God is up to everywhere. That's what God wants for the human race. The Anglican theologian Rowan Williams has spoken of the church as God's pilot project for humanity. The place, the prototype where you can see this is what's coming for all people. The church is the place that lives by the logic of forgiveness and grace not by debt and vengeance. The world as we know it is very much mired in the logic of debt and vengeance, but when you catch a glimpse of relationships in the church, you're meant to say, aha, that's what God is up, that's what's coming for everybody. This means that church matters. It's not an optional extra to the life of a Christian, but an essential part of who we are called to be. 
Now, the church is far from perfect. Plenty of people have had traumatic encounters at the hands of the church, or are burned out, or for any number of reasons, may experience a season in which church participation is difficult or impossible. I don't want to discount these realities. And we also need to think more inclusively and broadly about what church looks like, but that's a whole other conversation. My point is that fellowship and identification with other believers, which can take many different shapes, is vital for all Christians. What good is a lone body part disconnected from the body of Christ? We remember that we are created for relationship. We surround ourselves with the people of God, others living according to the same story who will encourage us, partner with us, and keep us accountable to our commitments. And while we're on the subject, I'm going to be even more direct and say that being part of the church means accepting as family people that we may not like, people who are very different from us. If everyone in your church is the same as you, then I'm not sure you've got church right. The church isn't just a Christian social club or even a backup plan put in place by God as a response to sin. It's part of God's purpose from the very beginning. And what's that purpose? Union with God. So as we finish up this episode, think about what church means for you. Do you see it as essential or optional? This podcast was brought to you by Trinity College Queensland. Honest answers to tough questions. Visit trinity.qld.edu.au to learn more.